Thank you for joining us online. Next Level Church exists to lead people to become fully engaged followers of Jesus. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life. Email us at mystory@nextlevelchurch.com or join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For location and service times, visit nextlevelchurch.com locations. And if you're interested in getting involved with Next Level by giving, go to nextlevelchurch.com give. We hope you enjoyed this message and have a great day. Every day is a choice. Do I get back up? Do I push through the pain? Can I overcome? Because this fight isn't easy. It takes everything I have. It tests what I'm made of. It demands my blood, sweat, and tears. It requires sacrifices that no one sees and causes pain that no one understands. But I don't run like someone aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. Other people, they're competing to get a crown that will fade. But I'm in this for a crown that will last forever. It's worth it. So I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Every day is a choice. Today, I choose to get back up. I will push through the pain. I am an overcomer. I will fight for it. Woo! Well, what is up, Next Level Church? Hey, welcome, everybody. This is our final installment of our Fight For It series. And let me just say welcome to all of our locations having services all weekend long. Our Bonita Springs location, our Gateway location, our Fort Myers location, our online crew. Welcome to all of you guys. So pumped that you are with us. And before we get into uh, our Fight For It series part four, uh, I want to give us a big announcement. And so in order to do that, let me bring out uh, our next gen pastor pastor will hutcherson yes so as most all of you know pastor will uh, you have been our next gen pastor student pastor youth pastor whatever title you want to put on it like for over I've had all of those yes you've had all those for over 10 years Yes. Wow. Yes. Incredible. It is incredible. And man, you have made such a huge difference in literally thousands and thousands of lives, uh, not just in the next generation, but in all of our lives as well. Uh, and you've been so faithful and God has opened a really cool door. And I, yes. want, I want you to tell our church about this. So I have loved uh, being here for the last 10 years in the last decade and a decade, by the way. And the cool thing is, is over that decade, I've had some people every now and then, you know, call me and say, hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? And the answer was always no. Until recently, I have an opportunity now to work with an organization and be the CEO of Beautiful Feet, which is a missions organization that works here in Fort Myers, but works in Nicaragua to lift kids through a child sponsorship program, lift kids out of poverty and help families in a big, big way. So it's really, really exciting, but it's also bittersweet because right. it's an end of uh, a season and the role that I played here at Next Level uh, that I've loved so much. And I'm so thankful for you and Sarah and your leadership. Yeah, man. And uh, the good news is I'm still I'm still here. Yes. I'm still here. Did you catch that part? I'm still here. He does not have to move out of Fort Myers in order to do this, which yes. is awesome. Yeah, so I get, yes. to, get to be here based in Fort Myers, awesome, still be man. a part of Next Level. And uh, with doing Beautiful Feet, you know, I'm going to do awesome. some school assembly yes. stuff too. It's just awesome what yeah. God has in store. And I'm excited to 
discover it all. Yeah, well, so you guys, so this is, of course, it's bittersweet because on one hand, it's like, yeah, like God has raised you up, sending you out, incredible opportunity. But on the other hand, it's sad for us because, dude, the seat you've been in has been good yeah. and it's awesome. And so you guys, good news. You're going to hear us talk more about Beautiful Feet. They're obviously one, someone we're going to sponsor, Hutch and his family through Kingdom Builders. So uh, we're a part of all of this. And you guys, if you appreciate, come on every location, let Pastor Will how much, know how much we love this guy. Yes. Love you, man. So proud of you. Following the call. It's awesome, man. Stepping out, brother. So cool. Come on, every location, stretch your hands out right now. Stretch your hands out toward Pastor Will. Heavenly Father, thank you for a man of God who has been such a light, such an influence, Lord, following the call here on our staff at Next Level Church, impacting literally thousands of teenagers and children in the next generation. And God, we're just so thankful, Lord, for the lives, that, the life change that has come, that you have brought, Lord Jesus, through him. And now, Lord Jesus, as he changed seats on the bus, as he changed assignments, uh, Lord Jesus, we just bless him. God, we lay hands on him. We, we just stretch our hands out, God, knowing, God, that your anointing is on him. And that, Lord, it, just as he has done amazing things, life-changing things here on this team and on this staff, Lord, you're going to use him at Beautiful Feet. You're going to use him to impact so many lives in Nicaragua and into the nations. And so, God, we send him out today. We thank you, God, for the opportunity we have as a church to bless him and Ariane and their kids. And, God, thank you for your anointing and and your presence on them. Thank you for their obedience to step out when you say go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give it up for Pastor Will. I love you, man. I'm so proud of you, bro. So proud of you. Yeah. Well, this is part four of our Fight For It series. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea that we are not living in a spiritually neutral environment. That every single day, every moment by moment, decision by decision, hour by hour, literally, you and I are in a spiritual battle. And we jumped off of a, a passage from the Old Testament prophet Joel a few weeks ago when we launched this series. And here's what it says. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Everyone say prepare for war. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. That's us. Get them ready. Get the warriors ready. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. And then it goes on to verse 10 and it says, beat your plowshares. In other words, take that which is normal and, and useful in everyday life and, and beat that into swords. In other words, figure out how to make it into a fighting weapon. And your pruning hooks, another usable thing for them in a farming, you know, agricultural kind of deal, make your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weaklings say, I am strong. Come on, every location say, I am strong. Come on, say it one more time. I am strong. Yes, we are strong in the Lord. And so even though we're in a spiritual battle, here's the good news. As we've been talking about through the weeks of this series, we're not left to fight in our own strength with our own devices. That Ephesians chapter 6 tells us to be strong, not in our own strength, but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then the apostle Paul goes on and he tells us that we are to put on, do you remember, the full armor of God. In other words, God has given us an armor. He's given us a way to fight, not in our own strength, not in our own mindset, not in our own means, but to fight in him, in his strength. And let's see if we can remember this. I figured we, instead of reading it again in Ephesians 6, why don't we try and do it for remember? Remember what the full armor of God is? He says, put on the belt of truth. 
the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. One more time. Remember, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, helmet of salvation, shield of faith, sword of the spirit to fight. That that's how we stand in this spiritual battle that every single one of us find ourselves in. Well, we've done a lot to break down each one of those six components of how you and I fight in the spirit over the last three weeks. But this weekend, as we're concluding this series, I want to—I felt so strongly in my, in my heart, in my spirit this weekend to really key in on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 of Ephesians 6, it tells us, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place over your heart. See, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that, that you and I have a, have a shield, we have a cover over our heart that protects us. But see, here's the cool thing. This isn't the only time this idea of a breastplate, a covering over our heart is mentioned. As a matter of fact, it's mentioned several times throughout not only the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. And there's actually this cool moment in time where uh, the Bible is talking. God speaks about this idea of a breast piece or a breastplate in the Old Testament. But I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, so let's, let's, let's do some review, okay? So maybe if you have something to write with or a smartphone, whatever, you want to write the, some notes down. I want to talk about five truths about our heart because the breastplate of righteousness is meant to cover our heart. So five truths about our heart. Here's the first one. Number one, this idea of righteousness has to do with really two things. It has to do with right standing. Everyone say right standing. And right decision-making. Right decision-making. So there's two components. When we talk about this whole idea of righteousness, there's really kind of two sides to this righteousness coin. And we, we talked about this, but it's worth revisiting because it's so important for us to understand this. There's the right standing part, and then there's the right living, or what I would call the right decision-making, what we do stuff. And remember, the right standing is a faith issue. The right living is about what we do. It's, it's a works issue. The right standing is about accepting what Jesus did for us. Here, look at this verse. There's a, there's a passage in Philippians chapter 3 that I really want us to understand that kind of really speaks to this idea of righteousness and the two sides to this coin. It says what Paul's writing. He says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. So what Paul is basically saying is everything I do, I am willing to write it all off. Consider it a loss when compared to what Jesus has done for me. He says, I consider them garbage. If you're British, the word there is rubbish. I consider them garbage. All of my best efforts, my best right works, right? He says, I consider all of that garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Here's, look at this. Here it is. Not having a righteousness of my own. So it's not about us working our way, being perfect, trying hard enough to be good enough. That is not what creates right standing with God. Does that make sense? Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, comes from keeping A plus B equals C and never doing anything wrong. No, 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 no. We're, that's not how we get into right standing with God. But that which is through, here it is, faith in Christ. 
the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. It's, every parent understands this because the moment your child comes into the world, you have this unconditional crazy love for them. Not because they've done enough things right to earn it. No, 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 no. You just love them as a father. You love them as a mother. Why? Because they're your child. Because of their standing. Because of who they are. And nothing they do could make you love them any less. That's what this is talking about. That's the difference. And this is so important for us to understand. Between a right standing that comes through Jesus. Putting our faith in him. Faith in Christ. That gives us right standing. Now that we have right standing, now we can focus on right living. Make sense? So we are made righteous through Jesus, and now we can live righteously. It's so important for us to understand that. So when we talk about this idea of righteousness covering our heart, there's the right standing with Jesus, and then there's the righteousness or the right living that flows out of that. Here's, here's the second thing, and this is really what I want to key in on this weekend. Our decisions, number two, write this down, flow from our heart. This is the right living part. This is the, the decision-making side of the breastplate of righteousness that covers our heart. We have to understand that every decision we make flows from our heart. This is why the Bible speaks to this in Proverbs chapter 4. It says this, above all else, guard your heart. Now, when you go back to the original language that that verse was written in, above all else literally means above all else. There's no trigger here. Like, that's what it literally means. Above all else, what does he tell us to do? Guard your heart. Why? Because everything we do flows from it. Man, that's a powerful verse. Everything we do, every decision we make, flows from our heart. And here's what I want us to see. The, the breastplate, the, that, that which covers our heart affects the decision-making that we make from our heart. So I mentioned the Old Testament. So, so in Exodus chapter 28, there's this really cool passage where God is essentially establishing his, his temple. He's establishing his people and he's establishing his priests. And so uh, Aaron was Moses's brother. And so God is speaking to Moses in very specific terms and says, okay, Aaron is going to be the priest. And so as a priest, I want him to be clothed picture the full armor of God only in Old Testament terms. I want him to be clothed in such a way that everything about him when he comes into my presence reflects my heart for, for the nation, for my people. So in Exodus chapter 28, this is so cool. God is describing for Moses uh, the garments he should wear and what his headdress and what should be on his head and his feet. Hear it? The armor of God. Do you see it? And then he gets to this breastplate or this breastpiece, as it's called in Exodus. Look, he says, so God tells Moses, fashion a breastplate or a breastpiece for what? Making decisions. The work of skilled hands. So, so don't be casual about what covers the heart. Make it like the ephod of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen. So, so be very particular about this. Then in verse 21, it says this, speaking of the breast piece, there are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal 
with the name of one of the 12 tribes. So God tells Moses, on this breast piece, there are to be 12 stones, and each one of those stones will have a name from the past on it. And here's why this matters. Look at verse 29. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breast piece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. In other words, every decision that Aaron the priest will make in my presence will be affected by the names from the past. Here's what that means for us. Number three, every one of us have names written on our hearts. And church, this is where I want us to slow down. This is where I want us to get this. Because the names on our heart affect our decisions on a daily basis. The breastplate of righteousness, that which covers our heart, has names written on it. And God says to Moses, listen, every time Aaron would go into the presence of God, he took with him those names over his heart, and they impacted the decisions that he made. And church, listen, the same is true for us. Here's the fourth truth. The names that we have written on our heart affect who we have become up to this point. We got to know that. We got to know that. That who you and I have become up to this point is a direct reflection of the names that have been written on the breastplate or breastpiece of our heart. We are who we are because of the names that exist on our heart. Now, here's the thing. This is good news and bad news, isn't it? Because for all of us right now, as we're thinking about and reflecting on the names that are written across our heart, that have affected our decisions to bring us to the point we are, every one of us are thinking about some names that we wish weren't there. And every one of us are thinking about some names that we're glad are there, aren't they? So a couple months ago, on uh, 1st of February, we went over to a, a conference, a, a leadership conference at Christ Fellowship in West Palm, a church we're connected with and, and friends with. We took a bunch of our team and leaders over there. And on one of the evening sessions, Pastor Chris Hodges, who pastors one of the most influential churches in America, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, just an incredible, incredible church. Pastor Chris was teaching, and he, he broke down this concept uh, for the leaders in the room that night. That's where the seed of this message actually came from, was from that conference. And so when I got home from the conference, I, I had a study day, and I was at home. And so I went out. It was beautiful February you know, day. And I went out, and I sat on our back lanai. And as I sat out there, I grabbed my journal and I started to make a list. And so at the very top, I put seven names or seven voices of influence that have been written on my heart. Seven voices of influence in my life. And I started to list them and how each one of those names had influenced my heart and the decisions that I've made up to this point in my life. And I think I stopped my list at about 22. So I scratched out the seven and I'm like... 
names of people, voices that have influenced me. It just made it generic. And so here's what I want to do. I don't want to share all of those with you this weekend, but I, I do want to share a few of the names just illustratively who have helped shape me into who God has allowed me to become in my life. Because I think it matters. Because I want you as a church to understand that the decisions that I've made that have led me to this point have been directly affected by these people. So I have some pictures of, of some of these people. This, the first one is John Maxwell. This is a picture of us last month in Costa Rica, in March actually, uh, when we were together for four days down there for a, a missions a thing with his missions organization equipped. And when I sat down on my lanai to start writing names, John's name came to the top. And as I, I wrote John's name and I reflected on, on the impact, how his name is written on the decisions of my heart that I've made in my life, I, I wrote, John taught me how to lead. That over the last two plus decades of my leadership journey, it has been John Maxwell who's been that spiritual father to me of sorts, who, who has been sort of that true north, that, that compass of, of that true north star to go, this is what's possible in leadership. This is what healthy, life-giving leadership can look like. So John's taught me how to lead. Here's another one. This is Pastor Chris Hodges from uh, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. This was in February. Uh, Pastor Chris came to, to our brotherhood. Our, we have 110 churches in our, our Next Level Church network. Uh, and, and we all gathered together at our kickoff in February. And so Pastor Chris drove over and spent three and a half hours just pouring into our tribe and just pouring into the leaders in that room. And so this is us uh, in the hotel lobby before he took off. And, and I'm taller than him. Uh, but, uh, but Pastor Chris, when I wrote his name down in my journal that day, I wrote, Pastor Chris taught me how to pastor. That when I think about, in the truest sense of the word, what, what a pastor should look like, that's Pastor Chris. He, he, is, he is one of the greatest pastors I have ever seen who just genuinely loves the, the, his church. Like, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. It, it's just, so, so Pastor Chris taught me how to pastor and still does to this day. Here's another name, Andy Stanley. It's just, we were younger then, and I, we both had short hair then. <laughs> Andy still has short hair. Uh, this is a, a picture from a few years ago when I had the opportunity to, to meet Andy. I've met him a few different times, and I'll never forget, it was 15 years ago, that um, one of our guys on our, our team, we were just starting out and just so clueless and no idea what, how to do this thing called church. And one of our guys came and said, hey, John Maxwell's actually doing a next generation leaders conference in Atlanta called Catalyst. And it's hosted at some church named North Point. I don't know, some church called North Point. And some pastor, Andy Stanley, and do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah. And so, so Sarah and I and this guy on our team, we, we loaded up in my grandfather's 1990 Buick Century that he left to me when he died. And we drove up, and I remember we stayed on the floor of a buddy of mine's apartment, and, and we went to this catalyst thing at North Point. And the very first session, this guy comes out who's the pastor, and his name's Andy Stanley. And I'll never forget, 15 years later, I can still remember almost word for word the message Andy shared that day when he kicked off. It was, it, it, only do what only you can do. Play to your sweet spot. Be in your sweet spot as a leader. And from that moment on, I, I subscribed for several years to Andy's, uh, to his weekly teachings on CD. Remember CDs? I remember, man, I had stacks of Andy Stanley CDs. And so as I was sitting on my lanai a few weeks ago reflecting on the, the names on, the, on Matt Keller's heart, I wrote, Andy Stanley, he taught me how to teach. That Andy taught me how to teach. Here's another name. Wes Stafford. 
Some of you know Wes. He's the former CEO of Compassion International, just a a global ministry uh, that lifts children out of poverty. 1.8 children are, are impacted every single month through Compassion International. And many of you, hundreds of you sponsor Compassion Kids. Our family, we have five. Like, we are so into it. We just, what, a, what an awesome way to make a global uh, not need of global poverty personal. It's just incredible. And so over the last few years, Wes, he came, this is in our green room. He came and spoke a couple of years ago here at Next Level, some of you remember. And when I think about Wes Stafford, I th- what, what Wes means to me, Wes has taught me how to love unconditionally. That being around Wes Stafford is, is in my mind, the, the, as close as I've ever come to what it must have been like to be with Jesus. This man loves on a level I only wish to love like. Wes Stafford taught me how to love. Here's another one. This is my wife. This is my wife. And when I think about my wife, I, I, she's taught me so much, and she's such an incredible leader and such, a, such an, a strong woman of God and just a gifted communicator, just so many things. But when I think about Sarah Keller's name written on my heart, I, I, when I was on my lanai, I wrote down, Sarah Keller has taught me how to extend grace. When I watch the graciousness of this woman in action, day in and day out, in our family, with our, in our home, with our staff, with you, our church. Sarah has taught me how to extend grace. Here's another one. My dad. This is us at Wrigley Field, and I'm teaching him how to get baseballs at a baseball game because that's what I do. I teach people, and I get baseballs. That's the two things I'm anointed to do. And when I think about what my dad has taught me through the years, my dad taught me how to work. Even though we're playing at Wrigley Field there, my dad taught me how to work. That For all my life, my dad has been diligent with a smile on his face, face just joyful. Even now at 70, 71, whatever he is, like he's, he's like has a handyman business. Like he's every day he gets up and he works. My dad taught me how to grind. My dad taught me how to do it with a smile on your face. And I love that. Here's another one. This is my mom. And yes, she's dressed like a pilgrim. <laughs> because every Thanksgiving, my mom dresses up like a pilgrim, and my mother-in-law, Allison, dresses up like an Indian. That's how we do Thanksgiving at the Keller house. Now, let's, listen, here's the deal. There were a whole bunch of pictures that I could have chose of me and my mom. The reason I, I chose this picture is because when I think about my mom, what I wrote down on the lanai that day is my mom's name is written on my heart because she taught me how to be creative. Because from the time, my mom's a a third grade school teacher, and from the time I was a little kid, my brother and I, my mom always empowered us, always told us and encouraged us and celebrated us and defended us to my dad to be as creative as we could. Like growing up, my brother and I got into all kinds of crazy trouble. We'd make stuff, we'd blow stuff up, we'd destroy stuff, and my dad would come home and just be like, what were you thinking? My mom would always be like, Harold, it's okay, they're just being creative. It's good for them to be creative. Yeah, mom, you can dress up however you want to dress up on Thanksgiving at my house. It's awesome. My mom taught me how to be creative. Here's one more. I'll give you one more. This is my mother-in-law, Allison. And she chose this picture because uh, she said it covers up so most people won't even be able to know what she looks like. And I said, well, that's us at a baseball game. And she said, yeah, that's what we do. 
And I'm like, yeah, like, the, come on, men. When you can teach your mother-in-law to fall in love with the game of baseball and watch it in, in, in infinitum at your house on any given night, that's a good mother-in-law right there. So, here's, when, But when I think about my mother-in-law, Allison, I wrote down, my mother-in-law taught me how to serve. This woman knows how to serve. And for 10 years, she has lived with us. She serves the vision of Next Level. She serves our family. She serves you. You have no idea the impact that this woman has made on all of your lives. And when I think about Allison, I think about she taught me how to serve. And listen, I could go on and on and on and tell you name after name, story after story of the names that are written on my heart that have shaped my heart, my decision making to bring me to the place that I am. And see, every one of us have that list of names of people in our life who have impacted us and influenced us and caused us to make the decisions we've made that have brought us to the point that we've been brought to. But here's the other thing I want us to understand. I said that this is a kind of a two-sided coin, that yes, we all have names of, of positive names, that of people that have shaped us into who we are and the decisions we've made to this point, but we also have names of people that we, that we wish weren't there, that have shaped us for the negative. And so I've got a few pictures for you right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but that would be awesome. Let me show us, man. Let's get them. This teacher, this pastor, this leader, this in-law. Wait. Just kidding. Put them up there. No, 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 no. Okay, listen. Okay, it's, that's funny. But here's the deal. I got my list. I got my list just like you do. I'm just telling you. We all got them. We all got names written across the breast piece of our heart that have affected us negatively. And see, here's, here's, here's what I want us to understand. Not only are there names of people written on our heart, but there are also labels that were put on us by people as well that have been written across the breastplate of our heart that affect who we are and the decisions we make every day. So, when I was doing some studying about this, this idea of a breast piece of, of, of Exodus 28, of the priest, this, of the breast piece of decision, I, I read that it was about nine inches wide. So I went on Amazon this week, and I got a chalkboard. It's about nine inches wide, and they said it's about nine inches long, the breastplate. And when I look at this I, chalkboard, I, I can't help but think that this is a perfect illustration because see that so many of us have names of people, but we have labels. Some of us can remember the moment that someone wrote stupid across our heart. And it's affected the decisions you've made in your life forever. Some of us can remember when someone wrote ugly, when someone wrote unwanted, You remember the moment where someone looked at you and said, you're a mistake. I wish you were never born. Some of us remember the moment that someone declared and spoke and wrote the word failure 
on our heart where someone looked at us and said, you're no good. See, I believe it's possible that so many of us are listening this weekend and we have these names and a hundred more like them. That someone wrote on the breastplate of our heart. And these words, these labels have affected every decision we have made. And they've been etched in stone on our heart. But here's the message I want you to understand this weekend, church. The names on our heart can be erased and replaced in Jesus' name. Come on. Because, see, we have a God of righteousness who has a giant eraser called His grace that has the power to erase the names that have affected the decisions we made for our entire lives, the shame, the guilt, the pain of unwanted, of unneeded, of a failure, of ugly, of not enough, of no good. Those names today, this weekend, can be erased and replaced in Jesus' name. That's the God we serve. And some of you, listen, right now in the next few moments before you leave church this weekend you're unwanted you're ugly it's going to be replaced with beautiful you're not wanted is going to be replaced with wanted your name of of son and daughter is going to be rewritten written for the first time on your heart that your new name your new words are going to be written on the breastplate of your heart and from this point on it will affect every decision in your life but we got to fight for it we got to fight for it and you need to know you've got a god who's fighting for you right now So listen, we have intentionally carved in space into this service for God to do some erasing and replacing in your life today. So I'm going to invite our worship team at all of our locations to come back and join me on stage right now. Come and join me. Come and join me. Because seated right where you are, Jesus wants to begin erasing names off of your heart and replacing them with new labels, with new names. Will you let them? Will you let them? Come on, seated right where you are. Would you just open your hands before you just open your heart to God? God, right now we pray that chains would fall. Chains that have locked up our heart Names that have been on uh, the breastplate of our decision-making, God, forever. Lord, those chains are going to fall off right now in Jesus' name. God, fear is going to bow as you replace those names, those labels on us forever, God. Lies are going to be bound up and replaced with truth, God. We are going to be set free in Jesus' name. So God, come and speak. Come and speak in this moment to our hearts. God, would you erase 
that breastplate of righteousness over our heart. We would never be the same again, we ask. In Jesus' name, let God minister to you right now. Right now, in Jesus' name.